I'd like to add my, my greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and pray that this year, 2023, will be a special year for you, that your lives would bear much fruit to the glory of God. And so I'd like to add to, to Matt's wishing you all a happy and a blessed 2023. There was one announcement that, that was overskipped this morning, and, and that is the announcement that our loving sister Anne went to be with the Lord this last week. And our condolences and our heartfelt sorrow are out there with the family, the, the Butcher family, to Ruth, to Gail and Sean. Our prayers are with you, and we pray that you'll know God's comfort and strength during these times. Her memorial service is on Wednesday this coming week. It really is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to share God's word with you this morning. And at the beginning of a year, many of us make New Year's resolutions. And the practice of, of making New Year's resolution goes right, right the way back, 3,000 years, even to the times in ancient Babylon. And the Bible doesn't speak against or for New Year's resolutions, but what is important is that when we make a resolution, it's a resolution that is worth keeping. And common New Year's resolutions are, well, I should manage my money more wisely. I should be careful in how I spend it. But by far the most popular resolution is after all those Christmas dinners. <laughs> I need to lose weight, and I need to exercise more, and I need to eat healthy. The problem is that none of these resolutions are bad, but they seem to lack power because they deal with the physical. And when we make resolutions, we should be making resolutions that are spiritual. <coughs> Don't know if you're hearing that buzz. It's not the buzz of Honey Ridge. <laughs> A school teacher once asked the children after they had returned from their Christmas holidays, did your family make any New Year's resolutions? And this little girl put her hand up at the back and she said, yes, teacher, my dad made a New Year's resolution. And she asked her, well, what was that? Said, well, that he would treat my mother well, that he would be kind to her all the days of the year. I chose those words carefully. I didn't add wash dishes, otherwise I knew <laughs> I'd be asked to walk the talk. And so the teacher said to, to this little girl, that's lovely, and what resolution did your mom make? Well, her resolution was to make sure that my dad kept his. <laughs> and this morning, the, 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 the title of the sermon is One Resolution That Is Worth Keeping. One Resolution That Is Worth Keeping. And it's my prayer when you leave this place, you'll remember that one resolution. When I was younger, on New Year's Day, we used to have a feast just like Christmas. We would have the main meal and then we'd have pudding. And so this morning, we're going to feast on God's word, and we're going to have two meals. We're going to have one that looks at a parable, and then the pudding, where we look at what is that one resolution that is worth keeping. Our scripture reading comes from Luke 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through to 32. 
I'd like us to stand in honor of God's word. This is God's word to each one of us this morning. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran, embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, and he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fit to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, as we consider your word this morning, Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears? Would you open our hearts to your truth? Father, I pray that we might see just a glimpse, just a glimpse of what a loving Heavenly Father we have. Pray, Lord, that you take these words, and Lord, that they would not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. In order for us to really understand this parable, we need to look at what setting Jesus spoke. And it actually began in, at the beginning of Luke 15. 
in verses 1 and 2. And verses 1 and 2 said, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The Jewish and religious leaders of that day would have felt that it was inappropriate for a godly person to be eating with sinners and tax collectors. And so Jesus responded to them. He responded to them with three parables. Three parables. The first parable was the parable of the lost sheep, where the one lost sheep went astray. The second was the parable, sorry, of the lost coin and this third parable was the parable of the prodigal son and of all the parables that Jesus spoke about the one featuring the prodigal son is probably the most loved it's probably the most remembered why because it has the power to untangle knotted lives and so we remember this parable and we remember it well well, what is a parable? We know that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It reveals spiritual truth so that we might know and understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And if we look at this parable, we see that there were three characters. There was a father who represents God. There was a younger son who would have represented the sinners and the tax collectors. And then there was an older brother who would have represented the scribes and the Pharisees. But the main focus of this parable is not on the sons, but rather the reaction of the father to his two sons. His one son was returning from a far land. His second son was returning from the fields. And as we look closely at this parable, we'll see that it's an unveiling of God's heart. It's a dramatic picture of a heavenly father's heart to how he receives undeserving sinners. And firstly, I'd like to look at the, the younger son's rebellion. And we find that in Luke 15 and verse 12. The younger son said to his father, give me the portion of property that falls to me and he distributed the property among them. You see, to ask his father for his uh, inheritance whilst he was still living would have been disrespectful. And what he was really saying in a way is, I wish you were dead. He also displayed an attitude of impatience. He was saying, I want it, and I want it now. Don't we hear those words far too often? I want it, and I want it now. I'm not willing to wait. You see, his request exposed his greed, his selfishness, and his request must have broken his father's heart. And yet we see that the father responded to his impatience with, with patience. Instead of rebuking his son, what did he do? He granted his request. And this is a clear picture 
of what God does. Sometimes he allows us to go our own way so that we can learn a lesson. And Luke 15 verse 13 continues. Not long after this, the younger son gathered together all his things and journeyed to a far land. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And it really only took a few days before the younger son was on his way. He gathered all things. To gather all things would have meant that he converted all his property to money. And he left for a far country so that he could take control of his own life. That he would not have to live under his father's rule, under his father's control. And if you likened the youngest son, he's leaving and going to a far land to skydiving, you will see that it was as you jump out of the plane, you feel free for just a moment until you realize you forgot your parachute. Thomas Huckley said, a man's worst difficulties begin when he's unable or when he is able to do just as he likes. He's heading for trouble whenever we value the things that we have more than people, the pleasures more than duty, and distant scenes rather than blessings of being at home. And so he traveled to a distant land, a far country, where he would put distance between his, himself and his father. And in addition to being selfish, and in addition to being impatient, he was guilty of squandering his wealth with wasteful spending and reckless extravagance. At Christmas, how easy it is to use our credit cards in a reckless way. And so in a way, we too can be like the younger son. But he was looking for freedom. He was looking for a place, a place where he would have control of his life, that he would not have to submit to his father's will. The Bible doesn't tell us what he specifically spent on. We see what the older brother says later on. But the problem was that his extravagant living, his extravagant spending could not be sustained. And Luke 15, 14 to 16 says that when he spent everything that he had, when he spent everything that he had, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So his problems began to increase. And so he went out and hired himself to one of the citizens who sent him in the fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with one of the pods that the pigs ate but no one gave him anything his money ran out the famine struck and so he was in great need no money no food and an empty stomach he was desperate so he made a plan he was a son of a farmer, a boer maker plan. So what he did was he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. It would have been a pagan country. And what did he do? He was sent out to feed pigs. Now if you think about the Jewish culture for a young Jewish boy to go and be a shepherd was quite a lowly position. But for him to be sent out to feed pigs, which was seen as unclean, 
would have been humiliating. And that's the road that he took. And the desire to eat the food that the pigs ate was beyond belief. The fact that no one gave him anything would have shown that he was insignificant. He couldn't even find help from the people that were supposed to be his friends. The text says no one gave him anything. And the truth is at that stage the pigs were better off than what he was because of his rebellion. You see, sin always promises to give more than it gives. It takes you further than you wanted to go and it leaves you worse off than what you were before. And that's what the younger son had to learn. And he learned that there's a high price to pay for sin. And that was a reality. He thought that he would find himself. He thought he would find happiness, pleasure, success, whereas he lost himself. And what did he find? Misery and pain. He found humiliation. And he was on the, vo on the verge of being destroyed because of his actions. The point of application is the truth is that there are some lessons, some lessons that a father cannot teach his son. He needs to experience them. And pain is a good teacher. Pain is a good teacher. Some commentators suggest that the far country to which he traveled cannot be measured by distance. Warren Wiersbe said that the far country exists in our heart. It's a place where we go where God is not. We isolate ourselves from God. And the reason why we visit the far land is because of selfishness. And that was what the younger son's experience was and sometimes is our own. And we need to be careful when we visit the far land where God is not. When God is left out of our lives, enjoyment will become enslavement. Seeking pleasures will result in pain. You see, fleeting visits to the far land can become frequent visits, and frequent visits can become fatal. And that's what he saw. And so the younger son, as he stood looking at the pigs eating that food, he would have had time to think. He would have had time to reflect back on what his life was, just as he was living with the father. And so the first thing we've seen is his rebellion. The second thing we see is his reflection and his resolution. Luke 15, 17 to 19 says, When he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? He was thinking back, I will arise, I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned. I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You see, when he came to his senses would have been a profound moment it would have been like a rabbit in the headlights of an oncoming train. It would have struck him. It was a defining moment that was about to change his life. And each one of us have these defining moments. 
And for some of us sitting here, for some of us listening online, today might be that defining moment. He recalled, he remembered how his father's servants had much more to eat than they needed. Whilst he stood there and he watched the pigs feed and he longed to eat what they were eating. He also realized he was a sinner. He said, I will go back and say, Father, I have sinned against you. But he realized that he had sinned against his father. His rebellion was sin and he had sinned against his father. He also knew that his rebellion had disqualified him from being called a father because he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So from give me my possessions, he says, make me. Make me one of your hired servants. And so in his mind, he would have resolved that it would be better to return home in shame than to work for a hired, hired citizen, a citizen that hired him out and die without food. And so we've seen his rebellion. We've seen his resolution. He will return to his father. Thirdly, we see the youngest son, repentance and restoration. And what a glorious restoration it is. In Luke 15, 20 to 23, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And what did the father do? Well, the father's reaction was bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, and put shoes on his feet. Go and kill the fattened calf, and let's celebrate for the son of mine that was dead is alive. He was lost, and he's found. You see, the younger son had resolved to return to his father. And he carried it through. And that's what repentance means. A change in mind, a change in heart, and a change in action. Involved his will. Involved his emotions. And involved action. Some time ago I was traveling on the way to Northern. On the way to Rustenburg I took the off-ramp there by Sun City. And probably a kilometer down the road. I drove into a crowd of people. They were, on, they were writing. They had sticks. They had pipes. They had all sorts. And they had just put tires across the road. And what did they do? They started to pour petrol on them. And they were literally from here to that postway. I was right across the road from them and they set them on fire. And I had to make a decision. My life was in danger. Do I go through that fire and get burned or do I turn? I turned, and that's what repentance is. I turned because I knew if I didn't, I'd get burned. And that's what it is. He knew that if he didn't return to his father, he would die. You see, he had displayed brokenness. He had displayed a sense of unworthiness. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His journey would have been a long journey. It would have been a difficult journey. He had no food. He had no money, and in fact, he had no shoes. But you know what? 
He made that journey in faith. He remembered his father's kindness. He remembered his father's goodness to his servants. And so he journeyed in faith. He had brought disgrace upon his family. And if you look in Deuteronomy 21 verses 18 to 20, he would have known that a stubborn and a rebellious son would have been taken to the elders of the city. He would have been taken to the city gates and he would have been stoned. And that's what he knew might happen to him. But yet, he relied on his father's kindness, his father's mercy. And that was the beginning of radical transformation in the younger son's life. He left his life of sin. That's what repentance is. He left his life of sin. He was willing to come home. He was willing to come under his father's authority, under his father's rules, and submit to his father. He showed remorse in his heart and recognition. He took blame and ownership for his actions. And verse 20 says that he arose and went to his father and while he was a distance, at some distance, his father spotted him and had compassion on him. And this is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. Luke 15 and verse 20. Why? Because there's astounding truth that we learn about God. And what a loving father we have. And I don't want you to miss these things. His father recognized him from a distance. He was watching. He was waiting for his son to return. Why? Because he loved him. Even though the father had his heart broken by the son's rebellion, he never stopped loving his son. In fact, what's even more amazing is that God ran. Can you picture God running? God ran. He ran to his son. That shows you how willing he was to forgive and restore his son. Can you picture God running to you today? You see, there was no lecture. There was no criticism. There was no condemnation. There was no reprimand but only a heart filled with compassion. The reception he, read, he received from his father would have, would have certainly astonished him. It was not unrealistic, as we've seen, for a father to kill his son rather than the fattened calf, but his father embraced him. His father kissed him to remind him I love you, and I've always done. He put the best robe on his son. It would have been his robe. A son that returned from feeding pigs would have been smelly. He put his best robe on his son. It was a robe of acceptance. He put the family signet ring on his finger, saying, I'm restoring you as a son. He put shoes on his feet, which was fitting for a son. You see, servants weren't permitted to wear shoes, but here he put shoes on his feet, and then he killed the fattened calf because he wanted to celebrate, because his son had come home. What an amazing father. What an amazing father. What amazing love. Wow. Jesus' emphasis on 
Repentance was not a new one. When he began his ministry, what did he do? He started his ministry by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some of you understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He was patient with his son, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And because repentance is so close to the Father's heart, that's why Jesus included it in these, these parables that he spoke about in Luke 15. But you know the truth about repentance is some of us, if not all of us, we find it difficult sometimes. If you look at the, the nation of Judah, they suffered from a wayward heart. They found repentance difficult. Jeremiah 3 and verse 22 says, My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me and I will heal your heart. What did the people say? Yes, Lord, we will come back for you are our Lord and God. And Judah gave an outward, outward confession that they would repent and they would come back. But they were continually unfaithful to the Lord. They had professed, oh Lord, I repent. But yet they only pretended. And the truth is that the healing of a wayward heart can only be done by God. And some of us sitting here today might need heart surgery. The symptoms, whether they're overt or hidden, are there. And we need to search our hearts. The surgery may be unpleasant. The recovery might be, un it might even be painful. But you know what? It will lead to robust spiritual health. God not only diagnoses the condition, but he offers healing. He says, come back and I'll heal your wayward heart. And lastly, we've looked at the rebellion. We've looked at his reflection and his resolution. We've looked at his repentance. I want us to look at the resentment of the older son. And we see that in Luke 15, verses 25 through to 28. And it says the older son, he was returning from the field. And as he drew near, he could hear the music. He could hear the dancing. And so he called one of his servants and says, what does all of this mean? Well, he said, your brother's come back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. What did the older brother do? He was angry. He refused to go in. And what did his father do? His father, in the, in the ESV says, entreated him. He pleaded with him. He went out and he pleaded with him. But look how the son answered his father. He said, look, look. He didn't greet his father. Look, for these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You see, on hearing the news of the younger brother, the older brother allows anger to take root in his heart. He fails to see the value of his younger brother's repentance and return to the father. The older brother's focus was on him. He says, look, I've never disobeyed you. The father could have sent a servant to the older brother, but no, the father reached out to the older son. 
he responded by going and pleading with him. The older son, yes, he disrespected his father by saying, look, his obedience was grim. It was duty to him, it was hard work rather than loving service. He was living not to please God, but to please himself. In his eyes he had for many years been slaving for his father, yet really he was slaving for himself. He was selfish, he complained that he was not given a goat to celebrate with his friends. Notice the father was excluded from that celebration. He was selfish. And then he goes on in Luke 15 and 13, he says, but this son of yours, when he came, devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. There was no compassion. Rather, he was critical and he was condensating, leading, looking down upon his brother. The point of application here is that relationships in families can be complex. Relationships in families can be complex. The coming together of families at Christmas can bring much joy, but it can also bring tension. Things can be said and things can be done that can cause hurt, can cause pain, and it can cause resentment, just as the older brother had. It can also result in break, broken relationships. And it's interesting in this parable that the older son had issue with the younger brother and the father. You see, there's no mention about sisters or mothers. The problem only exists with men. Is that what the Bible says? I think the truth is that we will all at some time, whether we're men or women, we'll be hurt, we'll be offended by someone else or something that they've done. And resentment and bitterness are two sides of a coin. They're two sides of a coin. Resentment is an attitude that people have to someone or something. Bitterness is from the heart. It's that inward feeling. And feelings of anger came to the elder brother just at the mention of his name, that your younger brother has returned. The question for us is what thoughts or feelings, what thoughts or feelings come to mind when you hear a person's name that has offended you, that has hurt you, that has wronged you? Does your blood pressure rise? I see some of you smiling. Do unpleasant memories, do unpleasant memories, they well up and rear their ugly head. Should we not follow the Father's example? Is that not the example that we should follow in love, in reaching out, in forgiveness, even when we've been hurt, even when our hearts have been broken like his? You see, forgiveness really, really matters to God. Forgiveness and repentance. Jesus taught his disciples on the matter of forgiveness in Matthew 6, verse 14, and there's many passages in the scriptures. And he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
And that's the main meal. Now I want us to look at the pudding. Are you ready for pudding? In closing, I would like us to consider one resolution when you leave this place, one resolution that is worth keeping. It's that resolution to return to your Father in genuine repentance and faith, trusting in his goodness and mercy. Why? Because it's a resolution, number one, it's a resolution that is life-saving. Luke 15, verse 24, Jesus said, My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. It was a reason to celebrate. And the gospel is almost too amazing to be true. It's too good to be true. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What amazing love. We don't deserve it. Our behavior certainly hasn't earned it. But yet he loved us despite of what we've done. And Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now we know that grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But grace is love in action. God's love in action by sending Jesus to die on a cross for our sin. What love. You see, when we look at this passage, we also see that Jesus had two categories of people. There were those who were lost, and there were those who were found. Lost and found. There were those who were dead, and there were those who were alive. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We need to receive it, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the power to become sons of God. Jesus' mission on earth, what was his purpose? Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and save that which was lost. This resolution is a life-saving resolution. Secondly, we see it's a resolution because it's life-changing. It's life-changing. As we reflect on 2022, have our lives changed from January 1, 2022 to today? Have our lives changed? The youngest, the youngest son, his life was in ruin. His relationship with his family had been destroyed by his own rebellion. It was his choice. His life was insignificant. He had no friends. No family with him. No one would give him anything. The only thing that he had was the pigs because of his rebellion. And yet his resolution to return to the father in faith, faith that his father would receive him, was life-changing. What do we see? We see a son when he's restored. He's forgiven. He's forgiven. He was clothed with the finest robe. He was probably hungry and naked. The ring on his finger, full acceptance. His relationship was restored from what it was back. Oh, he longed to eat pig food. And here he was eating 
the fattened calf. Can you see the change in his life? Can you see the change in your life? The resolution to return to the Father is worth keeping because it's life-changing. It's a resolution that's worth keeping because it brings joy to the Father's heart. The return of any prodigal, any prodigal, will bring joy to the heart of God. Luke 15, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In those three parables, rejoice with me. He also says in verse 8, I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner that repents, one sinner that repents, than the 99 righteous persons that need no repentance. And Luke 15 and verse 10, when he looked at the parable of the lost coin and spoke about it, he said, just as that lost coin was found, so I tell you, there is joy before the angels in heaven over one sinner that repents. How does this word apply to you and to me this morning in 2023? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, to start the year off in the house of the Lord. And as we look at 2023, it's important that we get our priorities right, that we start the year off with the right priorities. You see, the, the greatest priority that we can have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no greater priority than knowing him not knowing about him, but knowing him personally. That is our greatest priority. And that's what we need to focus on. See, maybe there's some of you here this morning and you're living like that younger son. And you know it. The truth is that your life is a mess. Oh, so often we can hide like the tribe of Judah. They hid, they pretended. We can hide. And maybe this last year you've messed up and you know it. Somehow you've wandered from your father. You've put distance. You've been paying fleeting visits and more frequent visits to that far land and put distance between your father and yourself. Well, this morning, you can change. You can repent. And maybe you find this morning that you like the older son. Maybe there's resentment in your heart. And if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been like the father. When you hear that person's name, anger wells up within your heart. You see, why is it so important that we return to the father and we live in his house at the beginning of a new year? Why is it so important? Because it brings joy to his heart. That's what he wants for us. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. Maybe you've been serving him out of habit or out of duty. He wants you to serve out of love. He wants you to please him. This morning, are you willing to reach out to the lost are you willing to reach out to the lost are you willing to make that a priority oh he stood and he watched and he waited 
and he longed in his heart for his son to return. Do we see people that are lost through the eyes of Christ? If we need to submit to his, his will, because that's, that's what the younger son did, he returned so that he could submit to his father's will. Do we know what he wants for our lives? You see, the early Christian church showed us they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. If we to please the Lord in 2023, we need to know what his word says. Are we devoted to the word of God so that we can know what it says, so that we can live a life that pleases him, that honors him and brings glory to his name? A life that bears fruit to his glory. Are we devoted to the word of God? You see, living in the Father's house means that you're going to talk to him and he talks to us through his word. Are we spending time in prayer? What consumes our time? What consumes our thoughts? Are we thinking about the Father? Are we speaking to the Father in prayer? Are we participating in family activities? Or are we like the older brother and we isolate ourselves? The truth is we don't know whether the older brother ever returned home. We would hope that he did. But are we willing to participate in the church life and serve others? That's what he was willing to do, the younger brother. He went home so that he could serve his father as a hired hand. Make prayer your priority. Make fellowship with your father your priority. Serve one another out of love. Reach out to one another. Are we, be, are we willing to grow more and more like the Father in love for others? Our closing hymn is going to be All to Jesus I Surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. And maybe this morning it's a defining moment for you. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Well, you need to do it today. We don't know what tomorrow might bring. Would you make that the prayer of your heart this morning? I surrender all. And maybe if there's resentment in your heart and you're struggling with repentance, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Would you make that commitment a recommitment to return to the Father's house, a Father that loves you with an unconditional love. Let's pray. Father, as we've considered your word this morning and seen your heart for those that are lost, Father, there may be some here this morning that have never come home. Lord, we'd pray for that one sinner Lord, I pray that you'd work in his heart by your spirit, that you'd draw him to yourself. And Father, for some of us, we find repentance difficult. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts in 2023, that we would live lives that would bring you glory, that we would bear fruit, that we'd experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. Father, I pray that we would serve not out of duty, but that we would serve you out of love. We would serve you to please you and you alone, not ourselves. Father, I pray for each one here this morning.
that as we've heard that call to return, return to the Father this morning, to live lives that please Him, to live lives that honor Him, to live lives that bring Him glory. I pray that you would take all the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If there's any never committed your life to Christ and you feel you need to do so today, there's elders that will pray with you after. I've got a booklet for you. And maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. You're tired of paying those frequent visits to the far land. Why don't you return to the Father this morning? I'll be down there. There's elders to pray with you as well. Stop.